Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on March the 13th, 2012. For newcomers, make use of the website CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. You'll find hundreds and hundreds of audios for free download and I go through the history of the big organizations that began really from one organization about over 100 years ago and became a, a, a form of governance, as they call it today, across the planet. They shaped the, the, the future for the world. Uh, top CEOs belong to this organization. Uh, most of you, all of your prime ministers and presidents have belonged to it for, for 100 years. And uh, they guide the world. They guide the world into the way they deem fit to rule over the whole world, too. So you will learn of books uh, put up by the various members of the various groups they employ and own, in fact. And uh, they're very, very good for telling you what's going to happen because these are the guys who set up world wars uh, in order to bring, uh, for instance, Europe into one global block. And uh, they also have been had a hand in, in really directing many other wars since, heavily involved even in the Middle East and what's to happen there. They work with the United Nations. In fact, their organization set up the United Nations uh, for helping control the world that they would bring in. So make use of the site, as I say. Remember, too, you bring me to you so you can help me keep going by buying the books and discs at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. And you can uh, order from the U.S. to Canada with a personal check or an international postal money order or use PayPal. Some people send cash. Across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal. And you'll find out how to do it at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. So what I do here is really just um, record and tell you uh, how we got to where we are, how the system of the world really really does work, and how the media is not there to inform you. It's a tool of the elite, and many big players, including one I'll mention tonight, Walter Lippmann, talked about this back in the 1920s. The media was that. It was to keep you, it was to give you the ideas to, to create a form of consent amongst the general public, whom he called the great beast. That's what he called them. And that's how the people at the top still think of us all yet, this amorphous beast that is full of mad passions and crazy ideas. And the elite decided a long time ago they'd have to control all of us. Uh, this is backed up by Russell, Bertrand Russell, who said that eventually the controlling elites will become uh, a separate species. Technically, they are. They're brought up in a different world. Uh, they have arranged marriages to very intelligent women too, long families, very powerful, very wealthy. And they marry power. And they do believe they have the right, therefore, that under the Darwinian laws, to rule the whole, whole planet. But every CEO on the planet of any big corporation also belongs to this one organization, under many names, and because they alter them for different countries. In Britain, it's the Royal Institute for International Affairs at Chatham House. In the U.S., it's the Council on Foreign Relations and uh, at the, the Prattney uh, building. 
And of course in Canada they changed it again to this thing that's CG. Uh, after the last exposure, they gave themselves too much exposure when they drafted up the bill to unify the Americas and integrate them, which I'll touch on tonight once again. But uh, they were open on the television in Canada with ex-prime ministers or, or deputy prime ministers running the whole thing, saying, yeah, we drafted up the whole North American Union agreement in 2005. And since then, so it didn't go through as well as they, they wanted to go through. Uh, they went back to calling themselves a different name. And they are the leading think tank for the Canadian government. Uh, they started up a university in Canada with uh, literally $60 million. The 30 was given to them by the government and 30 by private donations from two sponsors. So how can you beat this kind of system? Hmm? You've got to understand it. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix. And, you know, the media really is there to just dish out stories to get us going, ooh and ah. And I always say it's like lab rats. We're all lab rats stuck in a cage. And every morning the boys come in with their white coats and we chatter and say, oh, what are they going to do today? They're going to stick pins in us and put electrodes in their brains today or what will they do? And, and really that's what the media's job is. Uh, and you've got to get behind all of that and find out what's really going on because... You see, these stories come out every day, what they're doing to us. That's what everything's based on, really. And, of course, many people read newspapers because of the fear aspect. And you've got to understand what that is. It's the same part of your brain that gets stimulated, the very primitive part for survival, pure, basic, nothing but survival uh, parts that get stimulated when you watch a horror movie, and you can, even a rotten horror movie, and you can't turn away from it because if you do, you're identifying with the characters. If you do, you might get destroyed or killed. And that same technique is used in mainstream media to to scare you as well. So the, you, you, you say, who's going to help us? In comes the government. With already they've got bills passed to, to help you. In reality, they restrain you and give you less rights. And you can use this technique, you'll hear it on radio shows, you'll hear it on television, of fear, fear, fear. And that's a technique you, you'll tune in every day to, to saying, if I miss something, I might miss something that's going to save my life. It's very simple, old stuff, old psychology, and, and used even a long, long time ago, but still used very well today. But we get dished out stuff, as I say. It's really dished out. It's when they dish out the muck for the mushrooms. You know, they, they, they take the lid off the mushroom case and they just dish in the muck. And that's what most news is comprised of, really. And most of it that upsets you, you'll forget anyway, because there's nothing you can do about it. Like people getting tasered all the time and, and stuff like that. There's nothing you can do. It just upsets you. That's what it's meant to do. It's meant to make you think the world's gone crazy. Uh, and then people are going crazy. And nothing is further from the truth, really. Now, Canada's Bill C-10 went through. It was on hold for a while because it gives the cops and all agencies the rights to, to really interact with each other on information they have, share all inf- info on every individual. And um, tonight I'll put up uh, the, the PDF from the government to go through the whole lot because the media again misleads you. 
it says here that here's nine key elements of the crime bill. So the nine key elements they're telling you about are not the, the most important ones, but this is what the, they give you for the news here. And the CBC Canada, the Communist Broadcasting Corporation that's government-owned, uh, and actually a, a man who came from the Soviet Union to work in the CBC actually said that. He says it was more communistic than the, the Soviet Union. That was Bezmanov. Anyway, it says nine key elements of the crime bill, a guide to the federal government's safe streets and community act. We all want to be safe, that sounds nice, eh? Community's warm and fuzzy as well, isn't it? It's like something you see on television in Coronation Street, it doesn't exist in reality. But anyway, that's the sort of terminology they use with, uh, with neurolinguistic and psycholinguistic programming. So we, we see that and feel all better. They're looking after your safety, right? But it says Federal Justice Minister Rob Nicholson unveiled the government's new omnibus crime bill on September the 20th. Now, the interesting part about it is, too, the last time we had an omnibus crime bill was before 9-11 happened. Everyone wondered what was going on, and it was drafted up and pushed through by Alan Rock, who, who then ran off to work at the United Nations for the rest of his service, as they call it, service, you see. In other words, he was put into the government and then shoved up in the United Nations. These guys are placed in, in government. They're placed. They're not voted in generally. They're placed in government uh, to get these kind of things done, and then they're, they're whicked off to the United Nations. Anyway, it says, uh, formerly known as the Safe Streets and Communities Act, the bill actually comprises nine smaller bills that were introduced by the Conservative government during its minority rule but were never passed. The Conservatives' election platform promised to pass the bill within 100 sitting days of Parliament, beginning on June the 6th. It contains the following bills of protection under the guise of protecting children. Really, this, this is a joke. The Protecting Children from Sexual Predators Act gives them the right to scour everyone's info. Everyone's info. Establish a new mandatory minimum penalties for existing offences related to child exploitation. Well, just shut down the television stations, folks. They won't talk about that, won't they? <laughs> they won't talk about all the stuff they shove you on there, or the movies that they turn out either. And the increasing penalties for organized drug crime acts. Well, the only big organized drug crime is, is generally the stuff that's flown in by the CIA to get distributed across Canada and elsewhere. Uh, that's organization. That's not little people coming in with condoms that swallowed on, on the aircraft. Anyway, it says, it says here, um, Protecting the Public from Violent Young Offenders Act, it says, made the protection of society the primary objective of the Youth Criminal Justice Act. And then the ending house arrest for property and other serious crimes by series on and violent offenders act. It would propose amendments that would restrict the use of conditional sentences like house arrest for offenses like manslaughter, arson, sexual assault and drug trafficking, amongst others. An increasing offender accountability act and Elimination Pardons for Serious Crimes Act, the International Transfer of Canadian Offenders Back to Canada Act, and then the Supporting Victims of Terrorism Act, uh, Protecting Vulnerable Foreign Nationals Against Trafficking, Abuse and Exploitation Act, and, and so on. But I'll put the whole thing up tonight that gets into the real nitty-gritty that affects everybody, everybody, because that's, that was the whole point of the Omnibus Crime Bill. And I'll put the one up from the government tonight. Because we're living really in, in a, I've mentioned it so many times, it's a matrix system. 
And you think you've got into the next room of the matrix where everything's really at, the, the head control of it, where, where the brain center of it, only to find out that there's so many levels of it because of the way you've been conditioned and brainwashed from birth, basically. It's very important you're brainwashed from birth so that you believe this guff that the, the media turns out to you. And it truly is guff. But I was talking about Walter Lippmann, one of the many characters. It's a massive movement in the late 1800s and early 1900s to uh, to run society uh, almost like a robotic society. They even put a big movie about it, out about it too, where the, the, the actors all look like robots, etc. But it was for the for the governing class to rule over. And then in came Freud with his ideas and Bernays, his nephew, uh, that literally these were the guys who who altered the whole cultures of society. They gave Americans a consumer society. Um, Bernays was it was the, the advisor to about five or six presidents. Lived to a very long age. And he also started the, a, a war with one of the Latin American countries because he, because the country, um, had became socialized and they, they started selling their own fruit, etc. And the biggest fruit company that was one of his clients, Bernays clients, complained to him. So he actually got the U.S. to go to war with that country. There's power for you. And he did it by setting up, uh, a, a, a so-called movie distribution uh, company that made nothing but propaganda movies about the, the terrible communist threat. It wasn't communist at all. So the American went in and bombed them, and then the United Fruit Company was back holding the reins of the country, and the people were back to slavery. But these are the characters who, and it's hard to imagine for most folk that one man has this kind of power to manipulate the minds of millions of people and get them to go off to war. But they exist all right, and they're well-trained. And Lippmann was part of it too. He was a, a socialist, often called communist. It's difficult to say which. But he wrote a book on propaganda. And he called the people a great beast, you see, like Alexander Hamilton did when he, in front of Jefferson, when, when Jefferson talked about a form of representation by the public themselves. And, and Hamilton says, the people, sir, is a beast. That's always been the snobbish view of the well-elite-educated class about the ordinary people. And Lippmann also called them a great beast, you see, and a bewildered herd. They're bewildered. You'll find that in his own books. And he also said that uh, the only thing to do with the, the people was to, to give them a governing class uh, and a ruling elite, you know, specialized, just like Bertrand Russell said. And um, he didn't think the public were, would ever have it in them, no matter what you did with them, to, to get out of this bewildered, herd mentality that they have. But he also, interestingly, admitted that the media helped to keep them bewildered, and he was part of the media, of course. Now, in the manufacture of consent, he says, he says that the manufacture of consent is capable of great refinements. Uh, no one, I think, denies this is the process by which public opinions arise is certainly no less intricate than it has appeared in these pages. And the opportunities for manipulation open to anyone who understands the process are plain enough. As a result of psychological research coupled with the modern means of communication, the practice of democracy has turned a corner. A revolution is taking place infinitely more significant than any shifting of economic power. 
under the impact of propaganda and not necessarily in this, the sinister meaning of the word alone, the old constants of her thinking have become variables. It is no longer possible, for example, to be, believe in the original dogma of democracy that the knowledge needed for the management of human affairs comes up spontaneously from the human heart. Where we act on that theory, we expose ourselves to self-deception and to forms of persuasion that we cannot verify. It has been demonstrated that we cannot rely upon intuition, conscience, or the accidents of causal opinion if we are to deal with the world beyond our reach. So he was all for the elite class giving you an entire, an entire reality in every direction. And they, they, he belonged to groups, of course, that were set in motion to work upon that very thing. I've talked about the, the groups that were set up at the end of, of during World War II and given pre- presidential authority to create a brand new culture for not only America but for the West. And we'll touch on that when we come back from this break. And back, we're cutting through the matrix. And I've talked about the various groups that were in existence before World War II, for instance. And uh, the Frankfurt School was one of them. They had a university, they called it, in Germany before they moved out and came to first Britain, then the U.S. And then they, they formed the Macy Group or, or joined with them too, along with Bertrand Russell and the so-called progressive thinkers and philosophers of their, their day to bring another culture to America because they claimed, you see, most of them belonged to the, the Viennese School as well, that um, America had more in common with the, the Nazi system and their personality makeup, and their sort of whole idea was to to get rid of that um, uh, nationalist type idea and uh, to put power into various other multicultural groups and to diffuse this um, what they call what they did what they did was called the rednecks basically that's what their the job was, but to get them prepared too for a world role to to conquer other countries and bring them into this global elites. But you'll find behind all of these schools. And an amazing network of organizations that still are on the go today. Some of them will merge at times, then go off and do their specialized area again, then come back and merge, and so on. Now, Carl Quigley, uh, who was a professor who worked uh, with the Council on Foreign Relations, for instance, in America, as their historian, uh, he actually talked an awful lot about it, so much so he wrote a book about it, and another book called The Anglo-American Establishment. And... Um, he did give the whole format for bringing in this world order run by an elite, this elite that belonged to this organization, all prime ministers, all CEOs of corporations and so on, and how they would first go after the resources of the world, the natural resources, and then they would actually try and blend countries through warfare and treaties. Uh, you had a treaty as in warfare in an alternating fashion until folk were sick of war. They didn't say, okay, we'll give a treaty and amalgamate the whole bunch of your countries. And that's how you got the EU in existence. That was a mandate for the lend-lease um, system, the lending of money from the U.S. to the European countries, that they set up the, the, the preliminary offices. Every country would set up offices to gradually bring the European Union into a complete merger and integration. Of course, they lied all, all the time that they were doing it, but that was the mandate 
So uh, an organization was formed, and in 1948, each country had a specialized secret office working in its parliament to blend the country first through economic union and then into total integration. And the same thing was to be done, of course, according to the Council on Foreign Relations for the North American bloc, and it was to be also done for the, the Far Eastern groups of countries as well, they call them Pacific Rim nations. And the Council on Foreign Relations set up a particular two organizations to deal with that. The Pacific, Council on Pacific Relations was one, and that, that, that was simply a branch of the Royal Institute of International Affairs. Their job was to take a hundred years to work out diplomacy, techniques and so on, standardize different governments, including eventually China, so they could merge them all together with China being supreme. And that was started up way back uh, and before World War II. These guys plan the world. They plan the world. They have, they're the biggest think tanks to every country on the planet, as I'll touch on tonight. But before I mention that, he also mentioned that Germany would be a big player in this too, post-war Germany. And they would be the financial power of Europe. It's so amazing, you see, every country was destitute after World War II, but under this Lend-Lease program, billions and billions of dollars were pushed into Germany to build brand new factories, brand new housing, etc., make it a modern uh, class city, because part of, of wars is, is to demolish the old system, including the old houses and so on, and they build the new, up-to-date ones, and factories as well. And before you knew it, Germany was doing really, really well, and well, all the countries that thought they won were constantly in depression, including Britain. And then there would be the financial power of the world. You know, first we'd take Manhattan, then we'd take Berlin. Germany wants new European constitution. There are new centers of power in the world. And this is Council on Foreign Relations, although this is not a, a, con, a directly a, con, a CFR site, but it's, it's from the regular media. It says, Germany, Germany renews calls for a European constitution demanding member nations to forfeit fiscal sovereignty and require EU fiscal oversight to approve regional laws. Now, I mentioned this months and months ago because, you see, quickly talks about that too that eventually the Bank for International Settlements would rule the world, uh, all the complete world, and underneath it they'd have the World Bank, they'd have the the IMF as the big uh, strong-arm guy to collect payments, and eventually the IMF would do every single uh, country's bookkeeping for them, rather than the country doing it themselves. And all this black hole, the black hole of Greece that they keep throwing money into, is simply a technique to get them folk down on their knees even more. We have to do something even more drastic, and that's total integration. That's sovereignty and fiscal, and hand it all over to the EU Parliament and the EU Bank, the central bank. And it's right on schedule with it, you see. And Germany, of course, is the big player since it's supposedly funding all of this stuff right now. But it says, um, last August, this, this particular author reported on Germany making demands for EU nations to make external surrenders of their fiscal sovereignty to secure banker bailouts in the middle of the U.S. debt ceiling debates. So Germany now is um, pushing for total integration of their fiscal policies, hand it over to their big bank, the IMF. Back with more after this break. 
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're back cutting through the matrix talking about the fact that you're living through a, a, a long and well laid out plan. And that's what we, we really are working at. No, there's no conspiracy in this because, as I say, uh, many books were published right up until the 1960s about this, including Tragedy and Hope and the Anglo-American Establishment by a big player in this particular agenda. And that was Carol Quigley, as I've mentioned before who mentioned the Royal Institute of International Affairs and their American branch, the CFR, and all the other ones across the whole world, and what they were doing to bring in this global system, and how they would do it, etc. But Germany was to be a big player in it. Germany now is calling for fiscal sovereignty, and, and to even, uh, it's also a complete national, given over your national sovereignty, what's left of it, to, to this European monstrosity, this new Soviet-type uh, post-democratic system. And it says, uh, last week, uh, the governments of Germany and France called for a single government to rule over Europe to deal with the European debt crisis. Well, they already have this strange system of government. Today, Germany moves the game forward by issuing a statement outlining their plans uh, demands for indebted Europeans nations to secure banker bailouts. In a statement that's nothing short of a plan to roll out the Ford Reich, Germany is demanding nations give an extensive surrender of national fiscal sovereignty to secure bank bailouts. And while Germany is making such demands for bailouts to the highly indebted European nations, the German finance minister earlier attacked the U.S. for having high debt levels, saying that the U.S. has higher debt levels than even the most difficult country in Europe. And as the game plan is unveiled, China is already attacking the solvency of the United States, saying the U.S. is on its way to a default and implying America is committing accounting fraud. So China's called for an international oversight body to look over the U.S. dollar as well. So things are getting interesting as we get all pushed into this global system the way it's supposed to be. Don't panic about it. You've been living through lots of changes your entire life from this same uh, organization. Now, this organization, as I say, is, is well known in America, especially on, on Patriot-type radio, um, because of the Council on Foreign Relations that's been mentioned many, many times. And here's an article from them from 2009 from Richard Haas, who is the CEO of the Council on Foreign Relations. And it says that the Council on Foreign Relations president discusses new ties between government and business. And listen to this. In the shifting global and economic environment, business executives and government officials navigate an increasingly overlapped landscape of interest groups. So government and businesses overlap uh, with uh, interest groups, stakeholders, regulations and partnerships. Richard Haas, president of the Council on Foreign Relations, speaks about these blurring lines, blurring lines, folks, between government and the private sector. That's called fascism, if you don't know that and how businesses can leverage the tools of their public sector counterparts to move forward in the new normal. That's a term I coined a while back. They're all using it. Rick um, Kirkland McKinsey's Director of Publishing, conducted the video interview in St. Michael's, Maryland, in April 2009. Now, you you can listen to the video and watch it. Or you can read the transcript. Most folk will watch it because most folk, literally, and it's a fact, people are becoming visually orientated now with the Internet and they can't read. They just don't have the patience to read. But anyway, it says the quarterly, is this one of those 
bleak points in history where we're really entering a new era. As a student of history and of policy making, how do you see this, particularly as it applies to the role and relationship between government and business? And Hass replies, at the end of the day, and we're already seeing large signs of it, we will end up with a different relationship between government and business. Essentially, they will be partners more within the society. Now we're seeing that the various forms of co-ownership, co-investment, I think the regulatory pendulum will swing somewhat in the direction of greater government role rather than less. And around the world there will be partners as well because increasingly governments will negotiate the context in which businesses will operate, whether it deals with climate change, trade, investment and health. Plus, government will also be for the most part providing security. So he's telling you the different functions that government will, will cover and the functions that the private CEOs and corporations will cover, a total merger of non-elected corporations and still want to call it democracy. And it'll work for most folk. Although, again, it says it'll only be a business dimension of that as we're seeing with the privatization of certain security functions like the private armies that they have. So when you add all this up, the lines between what is government and what is the private sector of business will get blurred. And increasingly, rather than being at one another, they will have to work with one another. And how should a company change to adapt to this new environment? And Hass says, well, partially is to think about government and government-related issues, not as something you have a small side office for. As some vice president for government relations who maybe recalls a congressional staffer when he's got an issue, but it's something now much more intrinsic, and every person in the company, certainly the upper echelon of leadership, needs to take this into account, needs to think very hard about what is the proper, desirable role of government for that company. Where are there things... Uh, that informally need to be worked out, where, what things need to be more formally worked out. Again, it can't simply be an afterthought or a question of lobbying or implementation, but rather the entire issue of government. So they're rethinking the entire issue of government, folks. And the division of labor between the company and government needs to be something that is thought uh, through from the outset. So basically it's a privatization of government is what they're talking about, they even mention that here. They say, is there also a way in which governments are going to need business more? You mentioned privatization earlier, but in general, do you think that they will model more business-like behaviors in the future? And they, it's a question-answer thing. As I say, you can either read the script or you can watch on video. But it's, it's pre-set out beforehand for the public, obviously, who, who will bother to read it at all. And there's very few of them will likely do that. But they're telling you it's, it's becoming blurred. What's the point in voting when corporations and CEOs are advising and telling governments what to do? And the, the, the government's farming out services to them to manage all of you. What is the point? What is the point? Eh? Now, the Council on Foreign Relations, as I say, um, this article here is, uh, is about the Council of Councils. Very important. See, the Council on Foreign Relations is now admitting they run other councils across the whole planet. They're all really CFR, or Royal Institute of International Affairs, but they give them different names in different countries. And they've been running their governments for the last hundred years. So what they're doing is they're having a Council of Councils for the whole planet, linking leading foreign policy institutes, which is, is their own, is their own organizations, policy institutes from around the world. 
so that the CFR has launched an international initiative to connect leading foreign policy institutes from around the world in a common conversation on issues of global governance and multilateral cooperation. The mission of the Council of Councils is to define common ground on shared threats, build support for innovative ideas, that's like the smart grid and everything else and ways to control you know, the sheep at the bottom, and inject remedies into the public debate and policy-making processes of member countries. So here's a private organization, folks. It's been here for an awful long time. The top think tanks in the world belong to them, and they advise governments what to do. So they're going to build support for innovative ideas and inject remedies into the public debate in your governments and policy-making processes of member countries. What's the point in us voting when these characters have all the say? They get all the input into the ears of the politicians who obey them. And their top politicians are all members of it too, across the world. They have an institute for um, foreign relations, a member council, for the whole of the European Union. All the top parliamentarians belong to it. A private organization that makes policy. Anyway, says the funding, mem- the funding or founding membership of the Council on, uh, of Councils includes leading institutions from 19 countries, roughly tracking the composition of the group of 20 who all belong to it as well. The network will facilitate candid, not for attribution dialogue and consensus building amongst influential opinion leaders from established and emerging nations. The opinion leaders are not just the politicians, they're top professors and the ones they make famous on television. They do the same technique in every country. The CFR will convey the inaugural uh, Council of Councils conference on March 12th to the 13th in Washington, D.C. Participants will tackle four major themes at the first gathering, the overall state of global governance and multilateral cooperation. And that's what global governance is about. It's not government. You see, governance is the totality of governments across the world run by private companies. This is the status of the nuclear non-proliferation regime, the dollar's future as the world's reserve currency, the criteria for humanitarian intervention, which means wars in the wake of regime change in Libya, and the ongoing crises in Syria. And uh, so it's got transcripts from, the, from two of the record sessions of the conference featuring the president of the World Bank, so he's there, Robert B. Zolak, and Under Secretary of State Robert D. Hormatz will be available on CFR.org after the event. So, so th- th- your governments really are superfluous. All you need is a prime minister or president because, you see, as quickly said, uh, since in, for, but the late 1800s, Every president and prime minister has been a member of this organization, a private organization with its own agenda. I'll put these links up tonight, and you'll, you, you, for those who want to go through them, it's different from the oohs and as, oh man got tasered in the groin, yada yada, and the usual stuff you get daily. This is the real stuff, folks. And you can get the names of all the, the people uh, attached to it. It's, a, it's amazing, even the type of names you'll drop by yourself. But it says the, fund, the founding Council of Council of Member Organizations, right? Is so. These are some of the main member organizations that run the countries of different nations or, or governments of different nations. The Lowly Institute for International Policy in Australia, and Belgium Centre for European Policy Studies. In Brazil, it's Quotilio Vargas Foundation. Canada, Centre for International Governance into Innovation. That's the biggest one. And they get government funding for it too. 
the Centre for International Governance Innovation. They stopped calling themselves the Canadian branch of the CFR because they kind of blew it in 2005 when they announced that they drew up the, the draft for the politicians to sign for the integration of the Americas. So they changed their name. And it says the Shanghai Institutes for International Studies, China. That's who runs China. French Institute for International Relations in France. The German Institute for International and Security Affairs in Germany. Center for Strategic and International Studies in Indonesia. Uh, Israel Institute for National Security Studies. Italy Institute for International Affairs. These have been around for a, oh, an awful long time, folks. Running the governments. Japan is Genron NPO. Mexico, Mexican Council on Foreign Relations. Russia, Institute for Contemporary Development. Singapore, S. Rajaratnam School of International Studies. South Korea, East Asia Institute. Turkey, Global Relations Forum. United Kingdom, Chatham House, Royal Institute of International Affairs. International Institute for Strategic Studies. They have both in Britain. And the United States is the Council on Foreign Relations. That's who runs and your governments, that's who've been advising your, your governments for every war they've had since for the whole 20th century into the present. And we don't elect any of them. They're private, incredibly wealthy organizations, and membership also includes all the top CEOs of the big international corporations. That's what it's about. Also, just look into Wikipedia for the Canadian one, C-I-G-I, because, as I say, they've wiped out their history, uh, I've noticed, from last year only, where they mentioned that they were uh, the CFR for Canada. They don't mention that at all now. But what's interesting is the money that they got to build this new massive block in Canada, in Ontario, in fact. It says that uh, they're calling it... uh, one of their founders was Balsil, who made an initial donation of $20 million to establish the new economy, the, the new economy institute, which renamed CIGA in 2003, with Mike Lazar, this says, Lazar, this is with an Edison at the end of it, and his co-CEO at RIM, contributing an additional $10 million. The combined $30 million in funds was matched by the government of Canada in 2003. Not bad, eh? 30 million by the government in Canada to their 30 million to, to kick off their new organization with their new name. Comes from foreign relations, though. Hmm? Not bad, not bad. How can you compete with that kind of stuff? They've got every top uh, journalist as a member. Every country's got that. Every top journalist in every country is a member of the same organization. India, wherever, it's all the same organization. Running the world running the world. And most folk haven't a clue. They haven't a clue who runs them. They think it's still all politics. And every prime minister and president since the late 1800s, according to Carol Quigley, who got hold of the record since he was a historian, has been a member of this organization. And also I'll put in two, the old one that says... Um, by 2005, building a North American community report from the Independent Task Force on the future of North America. That was the one where they drafted up the one for integration. I'll put that up for tonight too. It's from them, their own organization, CFR. And if we get it from the horse's mouth, it's only your, your like it's only your ability to, to deny 
uh, or your incredulity, then no one can do this kind of thing. No one has so much power. So I won't listen to that. I'll ignore that. That's how people are. They're incredulous. You see? Now, I've also often mentioned, too, that all the organizations to do with information are connected. Definitely with newspapers. They all belong to, to whatever branch of the CFR they call themselves in whatever country. And the same with the, the, the media moguls, too. They're all members of it. To make sure that information is standardized. Remember what I said at the beginning, uh, like Walter Lippmann and so on. He talked about that. His job was to help standardize all news. To give the people at the bottom a fake reality. And the same with all the stuff that you use today, from your, your television to your computer. The computer was given to the public not to help you, but to keep you in a, 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 a kind of childish dreamland for your whole life. That's why people do not mature anymore. They have no wisdom to pass on to, to youngsters. And the Google and, and so on and Facebook, they've all been parts of the NSA from the very beginning, folks. That's where they got their cash from. They don't give you something like this and wait and see what happens. They were not going to allow the people to get power. And you're watching any power that you thought you had for a while getting taken away from you, bit by bit by bit, just as they planned before they gave you the computer. And here's the director of DARPA, right, departing from the Pentagon. And I say in my, in my uh, when I, I put the link up, I say he just moves from one government job to another. He says he leaves the Pentagon to go to Google. It's one government job to the other, you see, for the reinforcing government ties. Well, it is government. Google is government. They've made so many statements at the top in Google from the beginning of handing all the data over to MI6, MI5, and, and all the rest of them. Of course, they're a private security agency. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix and I kind of ran through a whole bunch of stuff tonight and only a fraction of what I've got here but um, there's no time really to, to continue with it so I'll go to Aaron from Nevada who's hanging on the phone there. Hello, hey, Aaron. right on Alan, thanks a lot man. Yep. You got the CFR, they got a totally redone website man, they're trying to go totally mainstream, totally engaging but uh, I've yep. talked to you for a couple of months. I've been offshore here. I've been uh, doing some investigations. I want to just drop it on your people real quick. Number one, following up with what Maxwell was saying about the United States as a corporation, I've done a full investigation. The United States of America is incorporated in Delaware along with the CIA, Social Security Administration, and uh, oh, the Treasury, all yep. corporations. And they're led by the Rothschilds who have over a 100 corporations in Delaware, as well as, guess what, City of London is a corporation in Delaware. So it's something people can check out. It's not conspiracy theory. You can go to the website, uh, government website in Delaware, and find out who has been registered as a corporation and how they are uh, uh, registered. Many of them are nonprofits. It's very interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because I'm able to see how other people are living of the, uh, to some extent, here in Thailand, everything is being run on natural gas, NGV vehicles, commercial vehicles, the heavy trucks, the ones that really burn it up, they're all natural gas, so it's doable, 
America is in a box of its controllers, its Rockefeller controllers, thinking, oh, high gas prices, there's no hope, there's nothing we can do. Not everybody is confined by that illogic. just want to say that, and I really appreciate what you're doing. I uh, heard you on uh, AJ's show. Great to hear you there on a you know, wider audience, but he just keeps interrupting you, so it was kind of uh, frustrating. But uh, working on a lot of stuff, and uh, that's it. Go Knob Radio is the show that we have. I'd like to get you on. Yeah, yeah. Okay, what you do is just email me and let me know when you're on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but uh, you're you're offshore right now, weren't you? Yeah, I have Go Knob Radio. I've, okay. Uh, we've been on for about a year and a half. Okay, okay, I've got you. Yeah. But, you want to uh, come on? Uh, yeah, email me and we'll, we'll work something out. Yeah. It's wonderful. Okay. Well, you but take the care. The most important thing you say, man, hold on, is we are definitely post-democratic. That's, so, that's the most important thing you're saying. Get your head around that, people. That's, it's incredible. It's disgusting, really, but it's, it, yeah. it's, it's it, what we're at. It is. The thing is, they've still been indoctrinated that they actually have a say. And, of course, the Club of Rome came out on, in the 1970s to tell us that we were already post-democratic. And that's the biggest think tank that advises the United Nations. So... Uh, we have been post-democratic for an awful long time. Actually, I think long before the 70s, because as I say, when you go into Lippmann's writings and so on, they were already managing the people's minds and, and they're giving them realities back then. And they looked upon them, as I say, as beasts. That's what he said. Lippmann says the people are beasts. Uh, this amorphous mass of uh, basically untrained minds have to be managed by an elite. Well, it was already there doing the same job. So it's a hard thing to reclaim your minds when you've been brainwashed all your life. It's even harder if you continue to be amused by, by the entertainment they give you. You can't do it. You've got to chuck the entertainment out the way for a while and sober up, basically. And that's when you understand, my God, it's all true. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, th- but thanks for calling. And that's the truth, folks. You've got to literally, you can't live in two worlds because their technique of controlling you is too magnetic if you go into the entertainment world. Get back into reality. It's painful. But uh, you'll learn and then you'll, you'll suddenly become your own person for the first time. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, this good night to me, your God, or your God's go with you. <laughs>